Every part of the kingdom of God is perfect. Speaking as someone who's tried things my way, been high highs and low lows. The problem was my way, when I got everything I wanted, I still had nothing. And now, having rebuilt with God's pattern in His way, I see what He means in His Word when He says, The blessing of the Lord maketh one rich, and He adds no sorrow with it. You can have everything and have a lot of sorrow. God's way is perfect. Amen. Father, we want to thank you for this wonderful, wonderful occasion, this opportunity to come here, your children, to meet together in this place that you've given us to worship you and to come to know you better and to grow in our salvation, discipleship. Thank you, Lord, for your love, which you extended to us by giving us your very best your Son, Jesus Christ, as we come here today to celebrate this wonderful event. We want to thank you. And we love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today is the day that we recall the greatest event that has ever taken place in human history and world history. Without this event, none of the other events matter or make sense. I'm speaking, of course, of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Today, as we celebrate our risen King, we celebrate God's perfect love for us, the hope that is Jesus and the wonder of His grace. We rejoice because God's love and His abundant mercy have made every one of us who have put our faith in Him alive with Him and in Him. Amen? I don't just want to focus on a scripture or two today and call it good. I I like to talk about Jesus. I like to walk with him and remember him and all the weeks leading up to this time of year, I like to focus in on his life, his story. And our journey with Jesus through his three and a half year ministry, his earthly ministry, has recently been drawing to a close as he stated in Luke 9.51, as the time approached for him to be taken up, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He made his mind up to fulfill his purpose, his destiny. 
ministering healing and love and teaching about the kingdom of God all along the way. Rejected by entire cities and towns and villages and loved in others. He continued to open blind eyes, heal the lame, set captives free. Oh, I feel that. Oh, I feel change breaking here today. He's here, amen. Mm, somebody's being set free right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. There were a lot of folks who didn't love Jesus. There were a lot that used him, just wanted what he could give them according to their agenda, whether it was political or financial or whatever else he might have been able to do for them or they thought he could do for them. But he continued to set captives free and Love people wherever he went. Some people's motivations were political. Others just wanted to see him dead. Still some loved him. Some wanted to set him on a throne and make him a, a king in this world. But he had a purpose. He had to fulfill that purpose. And nothing could change his mind about that. We traveled with him last week to Bethany, a place where he was truly loved and amongst friends. We traveled with him on his triumphant yet humble entrance into Jerusalem along with all the other Passover lambs. Though he was the real one. He was the one that all the sacrifices were pointing to all this time. For the 1,500 years the law was in place. And that fateful night after the, the Last Supper with his disciples as he left that upper room and he went down and he passed through the Kidron Valley walking through the streets of Jerusalem through the blood of all the thousands upon thousands of lambs that had been slain, no doubt, that week. He went out there and he prayed in the garden and he allowed himself to be arrested. And those of us who watched his life closely, we were with him and watched in the wee hours of the morning, the injustice of the trials in the dark of night and his mistreatment by all those who would accuse him and mock him and beat him and spit on him and crucify him. At the cross, we witness his greatness as he asked God to forgive those who were tormenting him. And killing him. We watched as a thief. Hanging on a cross next to him. Received the grace of God. And a promise of eternal life. 
I remember none of Jesus' real brothers, and he had several, were there as he was crucified. But he caringly provided for his mother's care by yoking him to a disciple who truly had a revelation of Jesus' love for him, John. Empowering him to be there, that understanding of who he was, as calling himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. That, that revelation of Jesus' love for him empowered him to be free of fear and to be there of spiritual employment at the foot of the cross that day. And it'll do the same for you if you are mindful of his love for you and his acceptance of you. He doesn't just tolerate you. He loves you. He doesn't love anyone any more than he loves you. And if you know that, like John knows that. It'll empower you to do the things that John did. One, they said that when they tried to kill John, he was the only disciple that, that wasn't martyred. They tried to kill him. They tried to boil him in hot oil, and they said he swam around in it like a refreshing bath. History tells us that. The anointing was so strong. The favor of the Lord surrounded him as a shield. He knew who he was in Christ and he knew what he had. And that's what we need to know too. We witnessed God, the Father of all creation, who loved Jesus more than we could ever imagine. We watched as he turned his back and forsook his only begotten son as he became sin for us on that cross that day. Why did he turn his back? So that he would never have to turn his back on you or me again. Those of us who accept Jesus as our Lord, as our sacrifice, our master, our king, our brother, our friend, our kinsman redeemer. I found a lot of people like the Savior part, but they stop short of the Lord part. <laughs> I can't let him tell me what to do. It's my life. Wrong. But he loves you. He's patient. And we saw the Lord as he declared his work done. And he finally found a place to lay his head as he gave up the ghost having set aside the law and all of the accusations against all who would follow him and believe in him. And he died. Meanwhile, after being laid in the tomb, his soul went down into the depths of the earth. And Jesus during the silent Saturday, we call it sometimes. He was busy. He had gone down into the depths of the earth. And he 
was conquering the spiritual powers of darkness, defeating the last foe, death itself, hell and the grave. And now here we are on the third day, on the morning of what we call Easter, at the tomb where Jesus was laid to rest. They had rolled a giant stone in front of it to make sure he couldn't be removed from there. I want to read something from Matthew chapter 27, verse 62 through 65. Y'all with me today? Matthew chapter 27, verse 62. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter, talking about Jesus, said while he was still alive, After three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. (laughs) Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. This is a big deal. These religious leaders, they took Jesus' resurrection claims more serious than the disciples did. <laughs> Unfortunately, the disciples acted like they never remembered Jesus talking about the resurrection. Although I count nine times in Scripture that he mentioned it to them. Told them all about it at length, didn't he? But the religious leaders, these hypocrites, they remembered Because of his claims, they were more afraid of him in his death than they were while he was alive. They took every precaution that his body would stay in that tomb. There was one entrance, one exit. They had Roman soldiers, a guard. They had the seal put there, which was something you wouldn't break for fear of losing your own life. Guards were posted. Remember how serious this is? Remember in Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas were in prison at midnight and they were singing and praising God and all the prisoners were listening to them and then an earthquake came and all the prison doors slung open and the chains fell off of everybody. What happened? The centurion in charge of that prison drew his own sword to kill himself. Why? Because they would have killed him had those prisoners escaped. Thankfully, the anointing was so strong, they were just having church. Nobody wanted to leave, so everybody was still there. And they said, don't hurt yourself. We're still here, man. But it's a big deal. (laughs) Things didn't go, though, as the religious leaders planned. What they had done to make sure that Jesus couldn't be taken out of the tomb only went to prove our point all these 2,000 years later. Look over in John chapter 20. John chapter 20. 
want to read a little bit about that. Verse 1 through 9. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. You notice John only says that about himself in his own gospel. And said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their home. You know, I... I like to go through the whole events of that chaotic morning. You know, take all the Gospels and put them together. But it takes a long time to kind of tell that story. But I will tell you this. On that first day, Jesus appeared to people five times. That's awesome to me as someone who loves the number five. Being born the youngest of five. Five, five, sixty-five. The Lord had to kind of beat grace over my head to make me believe it. That's the number for grace. So it's not surprising that he appeared five times that first day. The first time was to Mary Magdalene. The second was to the other women who had gone to to the tomb. And then to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And then in a, a loving act to Peter all by himself, the one who was so dejected because of what he had done. And then to all the disciples at one time, except for one, you all remember who that was, Doubting Thomas, right? Nevertheless, he made a big show that first day, and I want to read this to you from 1 Corinthians real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. Paul says, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. And he was buried. Then he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. And he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. (coughs) Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried, he was raised from the dead. The death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ are at the very heart of the gospel. 
The full weight of our faith has to be on both events, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, our preaching is futile, useless. And so is our faith. This is the greatest day, the event of the greatest importance in the Christian faith. I love Christmas. But man, Easter is the bomb. This makes it all work. Christmas says he came and he was willing to give it a shot. Easter says he pulled it off. Amen? (laughs) The death and resurrection of Jesus are so central to salvation that if Christ hasn't been raised, our faith is futile, and we're still all in our sins. That's how important it is. And also, the dead in Christ are lost. All those who went before us believing on Him was for nothing. Paul said it like this, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, then we of all people should be pitied. But that's not the way it is. The fact is, He's alive. There's only two choices regarding the Son of God. But the choice has to be made in this life. Believe and receive or doubt and do without. It's that simple. But I warn you, without Christ, there's no connection to God the Father. Only darkness. So now what? It's our turn. It didn't end on that that day and it didn't end 40 days later when he ascended to heaven that was the beginning and that what it says right here let me see what he charged us with before he went Matthew 28 and we're almost done Matthew 28 verse 16 through 20 Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. (coughs) And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's his charge to us, not to preachers, to believers. To many, Easter is all about the Easter body and good food and nice clothes and candy. I like all those things. Family. Love it. For others, it's about going to church. But just as some kind of obligatory attendance check off their list to get a gold star Or to appease their conscience. 
or their idea of what Christianity is, is all about, then right back to life as normal. But we're called to help people. Everyone here today believes in Jesus Christ. I know that. I Don't ask me how, I just do. To know Him is to, to love Him. And the more you know Him, the more you love Him. He's irresistible. There's just... Matter of fact, even in our messed up culture, you don't find too many people that don't like Jesus. They just think that you're not his representative. (laughs) And that the Jesus they know is fine with everything they do. He understands them, you see. Miranda Lambert sings that song, Me and Jesus Get Along Fine. He likes to drink a little wine. We're called to help people to come to know the real Jesus. Every one of us. I'm called to to raise you up for the work of the ministry. To help people to know His Word. To live a life of power and of peace. Beyond the cross. Beyond the cross. I wish instead of little crosses on people's necks, they wear little empty tombs. A life beyond the cross. A life focused not even on the empty tomb, but a life focused on a living and active Jesus Christ who is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us today, who loves us and wants to be invited into every part of our lives. And wants to give us the right answers to all the questions we have in life. And to do all the heavy lifting for us. Didn't he say, my yoke is easy. This is a Jesus that not only is he alive and well, but he's never going to leave you. He's with you always until the ends of the world. (coughs) He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And we need to know Him that way. When we don't believe that way, when we think like some have taught, unfortunately, that He's out to get you, this causes people to run from Him instead of to Him. I posted up on my message last week when I posted it up on on the SoundCloud and iTunes where it's free for everyone all over the world. And thank you, Japan. You just came into second place above the United States for listeners. Above the, above England and New Zealand and even Russia. But thanks be to God for all of you listening all around the world. We, we love you. And, and the, foot, the footing is, is level at the foot of the cross. He has no favorites. He's no respecter of persons. And with him, there's no worse sinner than another. The Bible says that if you think you're going to be accepted for being a good person, 
I see that all around. I, I, I watch people. I, I know, I feel their spirits and I know what they're thinking. And they're watching all of us. And they feel like they're okay because you know what their standard is? I'm just going to live better than all the Christians I know. And I'll be all right. And then at my funeral, they say, well, he's in a better place. I've been to a lot of those funerals. There's a difference in a funeral and a home going. I've been, <laughs> they kind of, they stopped asking me to speak at those funerals. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I care about the living. Amen? I pray that God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, will give us all a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know Him better. That's what Paul prayed for us 2,000 years ago. He says, my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge, of knowing me. If you would just know him better and you just believe on the promises he's spoken regarding you, the things that you do have in him, walk in that understanding and knowledge of his love for you like John did, they couldn't touch you. Nothing could touch you. Sickness, strife, poverty, any aspect of the curse, you'd run it off before it even set foot in your house. Your temple. Amen? Colossians chapter 2, verses 12 through 15. You were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him. Do you understand these things? Having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. (coughs) He took... Everything that the devil used to use to beat you up, chiseled on tablets of stone, hello, and he set it away. He fulfilled the requirements of it, and now you get credit for what he did. The devil can't accuse you anymore. In the Roman culture, they would, when they defeated an army who had threatened the people of Rome, They would take the the leader of that army or that nation and they would have a parade. They would bring him back tied to a chariot or in a cage and they would cut his thumbs off and his big toes and they would make an open spectacle of him showing this man can never hurt you again. That's what Jesus did with the devil. That's what Paul's telling us here. The problem is most Christians forgot to go to the parade. Somebody didn't tell most Christians that the devil has no authority or power over you except what you give him. 
He's a liar. A deceiver. If he can get you to believe that he has authority over it. Most Christians have more faith in what the devil can do than they do in what Jesus can do. And it shouldn't be that way, saints. He says, I've been given all authority and power and now I'm giving it to you. Go do some work in my name. Heal the sick, raise the dead. All the things I did, you're going to do. And greater things than these you will do. Because you believe in Him. Oh, if we could just, if we would just believe who we are and what we have in Him, we'd become so strong. I hear people all the time asking for revival in the church. Man, I want it too. But how bad do you want it? The Lord appeared to me over a period of two weeks one time. <clears throat> and he had a, an angel standing about, about from here to George. And just saying, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? Saying that to me over and over and over again. I guess he got tired of hearing me say I wanted him to do things. And he was wanting to know how bad I want it. Basically, we, are, we, we already have everything we're begging God to do for us. He's already done. And he's saying, what do you want me to do? I've already given it all to you. Believe and receive. Jesus said to believe that you have the things you pray for when you pray and you shall have them. That doesn't make sense to the natural mind. But those of you who have the spirit of God, you get it. He's already granted. It's already on account in the spiritual realm. You are a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. And if you'll come into agreement with your spirit, who has the very mind of Christ, all the peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that you'll ever need are already right there in your spirit. And when you get your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions in agreement with what's in your spirit, it will manifest into this body, into this natural realm where you can actually benefit from them in this life. Don't just sit around waiting to go home to be with the Lord. It's going to be wonderful. And if that's all you do, praise God, I'll celebrate with you when I see you there. But I'm going to try my best to believe and partake of all the benefits of my salvation now. And I want to help others to do the same. That's the acronym for this church. Help to heal, empower, love, and prosper the body of Christ. And to help others, we have to be helped ourselves. Which means we have to believe and receive. Amen? That's the Great Commission. Praise God. We're going to stop right there. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you for coming, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you were willing to bankrupt heaven temporarily to give us your best. And Jesus, you succeeded in your mission, your ministry, through your beautiful life and sacrifice. Thank you for your precious redeeming blood shed for us, your body broken for us. 
We thank you, Lord, for everything that that represents. Most of all, that our names are written in the book of life. And that our eternity is with you. Lord, help us to walk in power and victory in this life. And to help others to do the same. To fulfill the Great Commission. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for loving us so perfectly. In Jesus' name, amen.